0: You're listening to the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Find all of our shows at wearelibertarians.com.
1: All right, let's get back to some boring subjects. Understand the risks to our country. Freedom brings
2: people together. You're listening to the We Are Libertarians network. Learn more
1: at wearelibertarians.com.
0: Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. It is great to be with you on this Saturday. We have an awesome episode with you today the great larry sharp is here to talk about his book on happiness and so we will uh interview him about how to be happy something that uh i need a lot of instruction on so stay tuned and you'll learn a lot
1: warning this show is for adults by semi-adults so the language is sometimes strong and offensive Uh, I don't know what I said. uh. Welcome to the
0: Chris Spangle Show. Our goal is to help you sound smarter while talking to your friends. If you struggle to understand politics, we explain it from an independent libertarian point of view. With all of the irreverence it deserves, we toss out the screaming heads, put people before political parties, and give context to the news to make you think. Now, here's our host, Chris Spangle, a 15-year veteran of politics and media. Welcome to the Chris Spangle Show. Again, my name is Chris Spangle. Thank you so much for being here. We have an awesome show for you today. And, uh, you know, this show has always been at the intersection of libertarianism and personal growth and talking a lot about how to build strong communities by building strong individuals. And today's show will be Certainly in that wheelhouse, thanks to our guest Larry Sharp and his new book on happiness. So you're going to learn a lot. We start every show by thanking our patrons and the members of Wall Plus. And you can get the show ad-free. You can get the show, uh, all our back catalog, an extra thousand episodes going back almost a decade of this podcast, as well as all the old network shows. And you can join at joinwallplus.com. That's w-a-l-plus.com. And especially uh, big thanks to our $100 a month members, John Pusillo, Casey Feldposh, Lars Nordskog, Jakey Dell, Matthew Durbin, Reinhold, Christy Avery, and Jason Doolittle. So joining us on the program today is our regular co-host, Harry Price, how are you? Going good, going good. Got my new setup. It looks nice, looks very professional. And Reinhold is also here. How are you?
2: I'm doing well. And joining us, Rimzo. Hey, Rimzo. Ever since I saw Harry in a Speedo a few weeks ago, I've just wanted to be around him more often. This so is our first
0: uh, live show since our pool party. We will not belabor that since we have a, a guest, an upstanding citizen. And uh, But the pool party was a great time. If you didn't listen to that last episode where we uh, all got together and you know all the co-hosts flew in, we met. I met a dozen people I talk to on a daily basis that are my best friends for the first time in person, and it was a ton of fun, and that episode definitely reflected that. Uh, And then our guest today is Larry Sharp, host of The Sharp Way with Larry Sharp, an author of the book On Happiness, and uh, podcast host, former candidate, a Marine. Larry, it's so great to have you with us. Thank you for joining us.
1: You forgot all around cool guy,
0: all around cool that. guy. That's that's uh, we've never had extensive conversations, but everybody that has ever worked for you, people like our friend Hody and uh, Lou, who hosts the uh, enemy on my in- enemy of my enemy podcast, uh, all rave about you. And, and uh, you know, you're you're well respected for many reasons, as our listeners will hear. And Rimzo posed to you a question. So I'm in the pro- I'm engaged. Rimzo's engaged. And Rimzo has a question for the wise Larry
2: Sharp. I am here. Larry, I've been trying to convince my fiance to elope instead of doing a regular wedding because so far three months into wedding planning, it's turned into my own personal apocalypse now. How do I get her to agree with me on eloping?
1: There, I did the same thing. Um, I literally packed up and took my wife to Vegas. Um, and we've been married now for 20 years um two kids we have had a you know, as good as a marriage could be i think i mean in my own world I, i'm i'm clearly biased but i don't care and why did i do it there's many reasons why number 1 a wedding actually isn't for you and your spouse a wedding is for everybody else so it's by default making everybody else happy and punishing you which is doing it right now we'll also punish her she thinks that it's going to make her happy because the day is all about her that's what she believes She's wrong. The reason why she's failing at this and things are being tough is because she's trying to please everyone else. She's trying to make everyone else see her in a certain way. That's what what happens all the time. Instead, she should be focusing on you and her. That will make both of you happier. So two of you together should simply find a place, go there. You have to invite exactly nobody. Because if you invite anybody, everyone else will feel slighted. So you have to invite exactly nobody, meaning you can't say, well, I'll just bring my mom and dad, then uncle's pissed off. I'll just bring my one brother, then the sister's pissed off. I'll just have a best man. Then the other friends go, oh, you don't love me? So no, you invite nobody. Just you two go. We had a Lutheran preacher and our videographer, we have a video of it so that everyone could watch and We can look it up if we want to. A videographer was our witness. <laughs> Vegas <laughs> is a machine. We got our license and everything. And the cab driver just sat outside and waited for us. And we got our license and we were married within two days. We rented everything. I rented my tux. I picked out my, my wife's I picked out my wife's dress. Yes, she let you do that? Yes, because I'm the one looking at her. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I'm the one looking at her. <clears throat> Note what I just said. My wedding was about me and my wife. Not about everyone else trying to be happy. It was about me and my wife. That's what it was about. I picked out her dress. We got married. And then we went, we, we stayed in Vegas. We don't really gamble. I don't really do that kind of stuff. It's not my thing. I'm very square. So we literally just watched shows and like a desert tour and took a helicopter ride. And we went to the Grand Canyon and we did all those cool things in our honeymoon. So it was seven days. Our entire wedding, everything all in, this was 20 years ago, cost us six grand. Yeah, it, and that's, right, right, that's the thing. So I have- Six grand. I've, that I would includes th- travel. Oh, I'm not done, Chris. All right. I'm not even done. I'm not even done. He wanted to have an answer. I'm going to give him an answer. All right. I'm still not done. I told everybody. I said, look, we might have a reception later on. That was absolutely not true. <laughs> <laughs> so it's always best to start a marriage with a absolute lie. absolute garbage. <laughs> absolute garbage. Why did I say that? Because it pacified everybody. But yeah. here's the reality. No one even thought about it again. You know why? They don't care. Right. They don't care. They act like they care. They don't. It is your punishment. If you never have a reception, no one will ever care ever. But Larry, I won't get all my gifts. Most of the gifts are garbage anyway. You know they are. You're gonna throw half of them out at least. So why are you gonna waste time with gifts? Keep the cash in your pocket. You and I'm assuming your wife creates her own money or your fiance creates money mm-hmm. in some some way. Keep your money.
0: That's Take your that gift. money
1: and put it into something that makes sense for you and her. Save it for kids. Save it for a house. Buy a new car. Whatever is the thing that's going to make you guys happy. Stop trying to make everybody else happy when they don't care. And then if you have any other problems, having that extra cash. Look, money does not buy happiness. But money does give you more options so that you can make yourself happy. That's what it does do. It does not make you happy. But it does give you more options so you can have a choice of trying to find your happiness. So keep your money. But here's the best part. If that day is all about everybody else, you're gonna actually forget the day. In fact, the day will be just stress. But if that day is only about you and about her, which my wedding was, uh, that when we see our photos of our wedding, we don't think, hey, that's when Bobby threw up on the cake. We don't think that. (laughs) We don't think that's when the that that's when Janie's kids were brats and knocked over the the the, the kitty litter box. We don't think that stuff. We think, wasn't it great how me and you were together that day it was about us? And hold on, my picture's right here, literally. That's me and my wife getting married in Vegas. That's the picture right there. I still have it. Literally, you didn't I didn't know you would ask me that question. You look genuinely happy. Yes. Yes, (laughs) genuinely happy. Not nothing else right here. Generally happy. Yes. And I didn't know you were going to ask me that question. That picture just sits here. This picture is 20 years old. Yeah,
0: my I've I was I have been divorced longer than I was together with my ex-wife and I still see my friend's mom and she brings up that I did not invite her to the wedding. I've been a groomsman in 12 weddings. I was a wedding videographer for two years. There's always yep. an ant. There's always a bridesmaid yep. that's causing a problem. There's always a big catastrophe. It's, it's a lot of stress. Yep. you got to really love and the people that are coming. If anyone's
1: really upset at you and they're really mad at you, that's, that, that's the best part. Anyone who's really mad at you, that's not a real friend. That's an asshole.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Let me think. Uh, yeah, you nailed it. Uh, yes. So... Uh, so you've gotten a taste of Larry Sharp here and uh, why you should listen to the Sharp Way at the Sharp. Uh, is it Sharpway.com or the Sharpway.com? Sharpway.com. With an E. I don't
1: have to put the. There's only one. All right. My, my podcast, by the way, is the absolute number one podcast in the world with the name Sharp in it.
0: <laughs> and it has an E in it. So make sure you check That's it totally out. That's correct. Um, so, you you know, we uh, love on this Libertarian podcast talking about anything other than Libertarian stuff. We love Libertarianism, but the Libertarian stuff. And that's one reason that I've always loved what you do, Larry, because you're not trying to be number one in the Libertarian movement. But speaking to people outside of the movement, it's why your run for governor in New York was so successful. In, in building a movement of its own outside of it. Uh, and so I'm excited to hear about your book, on happiness. Tell us what, what brought you to write the book, what's the book about, and most importantly, where can people buy it? Let's start there.
1: Well, let's, I'll walk down all three of those. One of them, why did I write the book? There's several reasons why, but I think one of the biggest ones was people in our libertarian movement, and I'm going down that road, I'm sorry, but it, it'll be short. Um, always think, well, the movement is about uh, liberty or freedom or you own yourself or insert thing here that someone says or, you know, um, the Constitution or wherever they stand in their world. And what I would say is, no, it isn't. What it's actually about is happiness. Freedom and liberty is the way we can get there, right? The freer we are, the more ability we have to pursue our happiness, the better chance we'll obtain happiness, Freedom and liberty is not an end. It's a means to an end. The end is happiness. So I talk about it all the time. It's why you never hear me talking about libertarian stuff. I talk about happiness because that's how we get there. Not everybody wants to be free. There's a, there's a lie that we tell ourselves. It's all about freedom. Everybody wants to be free. No, not everybody does, but everybody wants to be happy. That's true. So why don't we focus on what we can all agree upon? We all want to be happy. We all want to pursue happy happiness. Literally, our divorce papers from the UK said life, liberty, pursuit of happiness. So was that important even back then. So that's the reason why I wrote the book. I wanted to show people that there is a way to move forward with happiness. Now, you might think, well, Larry, is it a political book? No, not at all. There's some stories about me running for office in there, but that's what I, not what it's about. It's about three aspects of your life you have to deal with. For someone to actually feel happy, they have to have three things. One, they have to feel respected. Two, they have to feel loved. And three, they have to have purpose. If you have those three things, you'll be happy. Now, there's good and bad to that. Number one, the odds of you having all three at one time, not so high. We lose them often. And that's the second part. It's fleeting. Even if you have it, it will change. Your purpose will shift or adjust or you'll lose it. You'll you'll not feel loved anymore. You'll not feel respected. You'll lose you'll lose one or two of those, and you have to go find them again. There's also four ways or four arenas that you want to find it in, and you don't have to have all four. Any one of the four will do, either family, professional, social, and or personal. And I cover all four of those. So it's kind of like twelve windows that makes any sense. Twelve panes of a window. That's how you have to find your happiness. And I talk about all the failures that I have. It's very autobiographical. And it actually starts with me contemplating suicide. That's what the book even talks about. Why would I start in such a dark place? Because most people who will buy a book on happiness aren't happy, right? If you're happy, you're probably not going to buy a book on happiness. But if you're not happy right now, you're you're, you're probably going to buy the book on happiness. And I want people to know that no matter where you are in life, whether you're contemplating doing something dumb or being self-destructive, whatever it is, that you can achieve happiness if you kind of know where to go. It's kind of a map that shows you how to start to pursue your happiness. And the problem is, if we have all three, we're happy. If we have two of those things, it's relatively easy to find the third. If we have one, we hold, we're kind of we in a holding pattern because we got something, so we're in a holding pattern. But if we have none, we will become self-destructive. That's simply human nature. We will become self-destructive. I don't want people to become self-destructive because self-destructive people also hurt others around them. That's what they always do by default, whether it's openly aggressive or whether it's by breaking people's hearts. Either way, self people help hurt others. Happy people do good things. They don't fight. They don't protest. They build businesses. They build families. They raise families. They do all types of cool things. Happy people, good idea. Let's be happy. So that's why I wrote the book Does yeah that make sense?
0: I mean, yeah absolutely no I, it's it's a lot of my own journey that listeners here have listened to over the past decade you know it's um, I, I was trying to seek meaning through doing this or being in politics or trying to look to others to for my own self-worth or my own you know life and then finally, I listened to uh, th- this I read this book. Um, by Tucker Max and, and Jeffrey Miller, and basically they're like, your life sucks because you suck, and you're not focusing on the things that you you need to get better at your physical life, your mental life, your emotional life, your job, your career, you know. And I really started working on that stuff, going to therapy, getting in shape. I've lost eighty pounds, you know. It's and I'm driving yesterday, and I go, I really robbed myself because I feel like I'm starting life at 37 because I'm finally happy because I didn't get my own house in order so much sooner and I'm I'm happy now and I'm way more effective so when when you talk about your own path to happiness what was your catalyst in your life where you kind of said like I did years ago something's not working I've got to fix it what was that thing for you
1: the I'm going to be good and bad to you. Good in that, well done for you. Bad in that, it's not going to last.
0: <laughs> There's Just always, I once said to a friend, something, I go, I go. listen, you're always preparing for your next crisis in life. And they're like, that's yeah. a very dim way to view life. I'm like, it's the realistic view. You no, have to be. It's the
1: best way. You're
0: going to be more and prepared. Be clear.
1: But not, not more prepared. It's a better way of looking at it here. Remember something. Everything is fleeting. Everything is. So when you have joy, embrace it. When you're with somebody, embrace it. It's fleeting. This interview is fleeting. I haven't seen Remzo in like 40,000 years. (laughs) I'm very happy to talk to him. It's why I was so happy to answer his question, right? It's fleeting last time I saw Remzo. So that I want to enjoy every moment because it's fleeting. But not just that. When there's pain, that also goes away too. It's all fleeting if we get that. We can enjoy our, our our joy even more and embrace it, and we can move through our pain because that's going to go away too. So it's not like you're preparing. I don't want you to think like you're ready to go to war. I mean, if that makes you happy. Please do so. But my my point is, if we understand it's all fleeting, we can push through the pain and really embrace the joy. So I just wanted to put that piece out there. But the other good part is, you have purpose. And once you have purpose, as I said, it's easier to get the other ones. Because as you had purpose, you started to gain some self-respect. And as you gained self-respect, other people around you saw what was happening. So they began to respect you too. You also, because you were respected, people wanted, you became more attractive. So you began to find love. Maybe not family love, or romantic love. And maybe you did. But either way, you found platonic love. You found professional love. You found other love because you were respected. And that's why you become happy.
0: So what was that? Was there a catalyst for you? Was there like a moment or an event? There were
1: several of them. Um, one is when I was a kid, my father died when I was 12. Um, that was one. And I was struggling to find purpose for years. And what, help, what helped me tremendously was the Marine Corps. I joined the Marines at 17. That was my purpose. When that happened, that was it. I, I had purpose. But that went away. So I became a teacher. And then that was good for a while, but then that went away. So I think many times as I've I've searched for purpose, one thing I've, I was very lucky in one way is my mom was very loving. So except for when she, it was several years when she was an addict and I lost her for those several years. But when she, when I got her back, I felt loved. And when I was young, I was felt loved for the several years. She was an addict and didn't, because if you have an addict in your life, you know that when it comes to you or the drug, they pick the drug. They're an addict. That's how it works. So um, at that time I didn't. Before and after, I often felt loved. The Marine Corps gave me respect, which was good too. But I think another time when this happened, (laughs) excuse me, is after the crash. That was probably the the crash 2008, 2009. That was probably the worst for me. All at the same time, back to back, my youngest daughter was in the hospital uh, and she almost died. She had to have open heart surgery at 19 days old. At the same time, my wife packed up and moved into into the hospital to be with her. Well, I had to become a single dad to my, at that time, six-year-old, and I was not the primary caregiver, so that was a huge change. On top of that, my mom got diagnosed with stage four cancer the same week, and I was finally wrapping up and shutting down my business that was crashing from 2009. I just it was over. I'd already shut my office down, fired my employees, so everything was collapsing at that time, and then I had an option. Do I, do I collapse or do I keep moving forward? And the, the trigger that really got me moving out was my weight. As I said, I don't drink. Um, I don't do drugs. It's not my thing. So I ate my feelings. That was my drug of choice, was eating. So I literally put on like 25 pounds in like a month and a half or some crazy amount. I forgot how much I put on. I just exploded. I was eating. And I tell the story. I was eating an entire pizza and a two liter of Coke for like lunch. And I was like, it's such denial. I was like, this is normal. Everybody does this. Of course. (laughs) Because I was in total denial. I was not accepting where I was. And as I got so big, I, I had to get back in action and try to rebuild my 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 professional life. And I physically couldn't fit in my suits. That was my wake up call. When I'm trying to close the the the, the pants, I'm like okay, this this ain't happening. Uh, oh, oh wow, that was um, that was another wake up call that I had. That I really realized that I I can't even do my job. My God, what have you done?
0: Yeah, right? I think the uh, th- your physical health is such a. Um... Uh, You know, I was never physically fit, and Rupert, when he ran for governor in 2012, had a professional photographer, so I kept seeing all these photos of me in a tight little tie-dye 3X t-shirt, and I'm like, good lord. And, you know, learning how to exercise and be consistent is so instructive in other areas for building willpower. Um, what, What is it about, especially as a Marine, I'm sure you learned a lot at, did you go to Paris Island or San Diego?
1: No, I'm a real marine. Parasol. All
0: right, <laughs> you guys even fight with, within the Marines. There's Nicene warfare. We do. We um, do. Yes. Uh, but the what is it about physical exercise that you found is so instructive for other areas?
1: It wasn't physical exercise. Um, it was getting a hold of it. Mine was through diet. Right. I'm not against physical exercise. I think it's wonderful. I, I still I still exercise. I still want to be in shape. I still look at my in my head. For those of you who are Marines, you'll know, or around Marines, know that three miles is like the number you're supposed to be able to run. If you can run three miles, you're in shape. If you can't, you're not. That's just like a Marine thing, right? So I still think about that as my my way of being able to do it. And that's basically a 5K. And so I've always said to myself, I've got to be able to run a 5K. If I can run a 5K and complete it without stopping, I'm in shape. And at that point, I was clearly not. Um, That was not going to happen. So that's always been my measure and how I measure myself. But what I did was I was actually on no carb, low carb. That's what I did. Because where my head was at that time, I didn't think I was prepared to come up with with, with some kind of regimen that would do me justice. So I had to find something that was simple. But to your point, it had to be hard enough that I could feel like I've accomplished something. And for me, I mean, I love sugar. I love sweet stuff, but I used to, I used to exercise so much that didn't matter, and I use it as a drug. So when I'm happy, I don't eat as much, if that makes any sense. I eat less when I'm happy. I eat more when I'm not. So what I did was say no carb, low carb, and I was a fanatic, and I mean a fanatic. This is not healthy, but however, for me at this point, it was healthy. I was having like, I'm not joking, steak, eggs, coffee, and water for two months straight. Now, while that's not healthy at all for your body, you probably shouldn't do that. However, to your point, Chris, it was amazing for my psyche—the ability for me for me to feel like, yes, look what I did. I was that disciplined that I could only eat basically four things for two months, and I, by the way, I lost forty pounds in two months. It just fell off of me. It fell off of me, and I didn't want to lose forty. I want to lose twenty-five, so I was skinnier than when I started. So it, is that, it the so attention do you think it's my diet by the way after.
0: Yeah, is it the focus? Do you think it's paying attention to that area of your life yes. that makes
1: the difference? It was grossly simple. I wanted something that was two things. It, and this is for me. It doesn't work for everybody. I'm saying for me specifically. I knew who I was and how it worked for me. I wanted something very simple and very hard. Simple and difficult. Does that make any sense?
0: Oh, absolutely.
1: Simple but difficult, There's right. between easy and simple, right? Simple means it's, it's simple to do. Easy means anybody can do it.
0: There's no resistance. Right? There's gotta be resistance.
1: Correct. I wanted heavy resistance, but simple. I don't have to count calories, get dressed, put my shoes on, come up with a schedule. When I'm going to work out. I want it grossly simple. Don't eat carbs. Got it. Even a knucklehead Marine like me can figure that one out. Don't eat carbs, right? I made it simpler. Eat meat, eggs, coffee, water. I made it simpler. That's all I could eat. Those four things. That's it. Here's some food. Is it meat? No. Is it eggs? No. I can't eat it. Done. So grossly simple and difficult. So after I started to see the difficulty that I was doing and losing the weight, which again was my my measure, my goal. I could see my goal. I could see it happening. All of a sudden, I found myself able to take care of other areas of my life. Chris, you're completely right. I took control of other areas of my life once I took control of that first, small victories will create larger victories, right? When when you're failing, when you're in a bad spot, you should not swing to the fences. When you're in a bad spot, get a, get a single. Get a single, then get a double, then get a triple, then get a home run. Slow victories, small victories will create larger ones. If you go for the big one and you lose, you will be devastated. Go for the smaller one, win, and then keep going for
0: me yeah i mean these people who want to control other people's lives i mean controlling what goes in my mouth and comes out of my mouth is the only concern that i mostly have like because it's the biggest struggle i have let i can't worry about anybody else but harry jump in here you're you're the most physically fit you could wear a speedo at the pool party and not be ashamed <laughs> I, I would cause a hate crime if the I had photos that. exist they do but i uh they're harry's property to post but yeah i mean jump in here harry
3: all right. So a couple of questions I have for that, because like, like, you know, I'm interested in fitness and, and dieting. Did you eat that entire meal like at one time or did you spread it off throughout the day?
1: No, at that point, I, I was good. I wanted it to be simple. So whenever I was going to eat, I made sure it was only that hmm. I didn't want to. I didn't want have to think about when I was going to eat or how I was going to eat. It was very simple. Hmm. If I couldn't find that food, then I didn't eat. Okay. Yeah. That was it. It was grossly <laughs> simple. If that food, if meat, eggs, coffee, and water was available, mm-hmm. I would eat it. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't, I didn't eat. It was that simple. What I found is if anyone's ever been on a low, low carb, no carb diet, after a couple of days, um, you you lose your hunger. Yep. You're just not hungry anymore. And yep. because you're you're there, there's you're not having uh blood sugar spikes at all because you're not having any carbs. So there's no blood sugar spikes, nothing. So I wasn't hungry. I would very often uh go. 16 hours of our eating and wouldn't even feel hungry very often. Um, what And I still do it to this day. Um, I've been on it for 11 years. So mm-hmm. I'm still on it. That's how I keep my weight down. Yeah. I, I've, it's a lifestyle change. It, it wasn't – I don't believe diets work. Lifestyle changes work. That. So for me, it was a lifestyle change. So I still to this day am on it. Once in a while, I'll break – like for my birthday and such, I'll like, have cake yeah. on my birthday. Right? But yeah. otherwise, I stay on it.
3: Yeah, diets are, diets are great for like small, like mini cuts and stuff like that for, for a small session, but you you will revert. But if the plan is to revert, that's perfectly fine. Like in the month of August, I've got a mini cut going on. I'm dropping down to 1,500 calories. But mm-hmm. you know, but that's for a small t- time of August, I will not be able to maintain 1,500 calories in this specific diet for longer than a month. I know
0: myself. My rule has just always been if it's been alive in the last 30 days, it's allowed in the house. Everything else is not. And I've been Failing at that the last month and I'm gaining weight, but you know, I've lost ten pounds a year over the you know, it's not hard. It's just you just don't buy certain things at the grocery store. You keep it out of the house. But let's let's uh you know, Rimzo Reinhold, I don't know if you want to jump in here at this point and ask a question and we'll move on or I can move us on to something else.
2: Yeah, Reinhold.
4: Oh, I just wanted to kind of echo a lot of what you've gone through because I've had similar issues in my life with uh, Like 10 years ago, there was a major change that happened to me in in my situation in my life. My wife, uh, we found out that she had stage four cancer and uh, that really takes your life and what you think the path is going to be and what you're going down and throws it in a huge tailspin. And it takes a lot of effort to stop worrying about everybody else and everything else and dealing with all the stuff that I had to deal with. remember that i had to also kind of make myself happy in some way right and because there was a long time period there where i just completely ignored my thoughts and needs and desires and everything else because i had to I, that's just the focus i had to make so um so yeah i can i can um definitely speak to to what you went through there also uh, i am former military but i was navy so obviously
1: well, someone's got to take us to battle. <laughs> All right.
4: We, we always saw the Marines as as we would we would uh drop off the Marines, put them on the beach, pull back, and then shell the beach that they were on. So we always thought that was a fun time. But you, you um, I hope
1: some of you are alive when we come back. Yeah. <laughs> yes.
4: we'll, we'll 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 see what's left when we come back and pick you up. <laughs> yes. Uh no, we, we, it's 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 just um kind of more of the way I look at life and and more of a Taoist type of. Uh, view is that even the bad things are um, things that make you appreciate the good times in life and the happy times in life. So okay. you kind of, if you can take that and say, okay, I'm experiencing terrible things right now, but I know that once I get through it, I'm really going to appreciate things and, and, and you can see an end to it and you can see, you can make a path towards that. Um, I think that really helps too because if you start focusing on the negative and you can you can tailspin and put yourself in a position that it, it's almost impossible to get out of. So you need to try to avoid that as well.
1: I, I want to touch that real fast. That was so good, brother. Thank you so much for sharing that yeah. that that piece. Um sometimes when there are times I've talked a lot of people basically off a ledge, if that makes any sense. I mean, literally, there's there's times when some of my veteran friends have dealt dealt with what I literally asked them okay, can you tell me where the gun is right now? And like, it's a man, can you put it on a bed? Okay, good, so it's on a bed now, like that point. That's the kind of thing that I've dealt with sometimes, here or there, and I do it for people in the the movement too. And one of the things I want you, if you're listening or thinking about this, and you've just so good, Reinhold, the person who's in trouble, if you you decide to take your own life or to be self-destructive, you're actually being selfish. And you're being selfish for two reasons. Number one, you can be somebody's purpose. And when someone's in trouble, there are so many people who really want to help. They love you, they care about you, they want to help you, but you've cut yourself off or thought you're not worthy or convinced yourself that it doesn't matter or convinced yourself that it's, people are better off without you. All of that is lies. The reality of it is you're in denial and you should let somebody help you. Because you can be somebody's purpose. That's important to understand. And Later, second, yeah. go ahead. No, go ahead. And second, when you feel pain, you think, if I, if I end this, the pain goes away. It doesn't. You just transfer it to your loved ones. That's all you just did. The pain doesn't go away. You've transferred it to your loved ones. So you, if you're in trouble, don't be selfish. If you're in trouble, let others help you. They want to. That's their purpose. Reinhold, you, you speak about this and it's obvious it was a tough time for you, but there's a bit of pride in it for you. There's a bit of love in it for you because you know you did the right thing. So from someone else's pain and bad spot, you did find purpose. And now you have pride from it. This is not, this is a part of life, and we can, we can draw strength and we can draw happiness even from pain. And is your wife still with us?
4: She, she is, she's actually um, beaten a lot of the odds, but it's taken a huge toll on her. She is not Yep. Uh, two and a half years of chemotherapy can really destroy a body. And she's Absolutely. going through a lot and I'm just trying to help her get through that. And it's, it's and a I then want to go struggle. to the
1: second piece that even when you're the caregiver, which is what you've mm-hmm. become, the caregiver has to care about themselves too. Their happiness also matters. It is yeah, surprising it, how often the caregiver eventually gets sick and ill, too, because they ignore their own their own self. So you also have to find like, that balance.
4: That happened to me, too. I, I, there was, we go. I spent the first few years just just ignoring you know, my thought, you know, what I was going on with my body and finally um, had a wake up call going to one of my physicals because I just avoided going to the doctor for a couple of years. I was just focused mm-hmm. on getting her to the doctor every week and doing all the work and everything and trying to maintain the job and keeping everything going. Um, and then when I finally, you know, my wife's like, you need to go to the doctor too. You're having some issues. So I went to the doctor and it was a wake up call because the physical stuff come back and there were things that were in that, that I had been um, not taken care of. Um, and so it's like, you need to, you know, you need to take care of yourself so that you can still take care of, her yes. and you got to take care of yourself but it it took me years to to come to that i need to i need to think about me too once in a while mm-hmm. you know and, and make sure that i'm still happy and moving forward so because it feels I mean, it, feel it like feels wrong yeah no i think you, 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 you know feel like i feel like i'm cheating or, or i'm doing right. the wrong thing or i'm not being responsible i'm not taking care of her and 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 it's just you get into you get into your own head so much with that yes. and you have to um it ha- you have to accept that it's okay to be yeah. to think about yourself once in a while.
1: It's not yeah. just okay; yeah. it's good.
0: Yeah, I want to. Yeah, okay. I want to give just a big shout out. Um, first, I want to give a, a plug for a podcast that I've produced for years called Caregiver Crossing. Um, my friends at Joy's House, who run a daycare, adult daycare for um, you know folks with Alzheimer's and mental uh, declination, they they're they have a great podcast um, that helps folks work through what Reinhold's been working through. And I want to give an enormous um, thank you and and just give Reinhold some love because he has been really for a long time working hard to make sure that his family is stable and it's tough on him. And one of the the best things about We Are Libertarians is that he's found a group of people that can help support him and, and be that sounding board when there's nobody else to go to, which leads me to my next point with Larry um, you talk a lot monologue. about you.
1: Remzo had something he wanted to yeah. say. All right. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah. I'm
2: I'm sorry, Chris. I'll hijack it for just. You two blew minutes, up my perfect transition. Go ahead, Remzo. It better be good. The monologue is ruined, Larry. I, I don't know if you remember this, but in 20, uh, it was either 2017, 2018. Uh, you you called me after I had reached out to you. I was going through some really difficult times. I've joked about it, um, you know, on on my show and some others before. The the lowest point in my life wasn't when I was selling Chinese makeup to strippers. It was actually when I thought about, um, you know, packing up my Kia Soul and driving to Michigan to do a Kid Rock for Senate Super (laughs) Pack. And it was really just me just trying to escape just a really hard point. I was broke. I had no friends. I was failing at everything. And I kept trying to put on this brave face that everything is okay, but it wasn't. And, uh, you know, I was at an annual training with my National Guard unit. I was Um, you know, I, I wasn't gonna be going for a a promotion anytime soon. It was just, it was just compounding failures and you went ahead and called me and, you know, I said, you know, Larry, there are these things I want to do. I'm my, my biggest fear is I'm afraid of failure. And you were like, well, what happens if you fail? You're just back at where you are you know, you should at least try and do it at least. And I, I couldn't give you an answer on any of that stuff. And I mean, you were doing this while you were running for governor, you didn't have to take the time to call me. But but you did. And I and I thought about it for for a while. And it was also one of the reasons why I, I canceled my first show, because I, I really had to define it's like, what is success at the end of the day? And it, it wasn't it wasn't popularity. It wasn't money. It wasn't all these things. I distilled it down. It was a fact that I am miserable doing this. And this thing that I used to do to bring me joy in my life and connect me with people. It felt more like a drain. So then from there, I was like, you know what? I'm going to be radically honest with myself, and I'm going to do things that I want to do because it genuinely makes me happy. I wrote a book, and people were like, well, you're not qualified to write a book. Why are you doing it? Because I love to write, and I want to write a book. I did a TV show for three seasons about getting locked in old abandoned buildings, talking to dead people. And people were like, why is he doing a ghost hunting show? And I'm like, because it's freaking cool. It makes me happy. And it's also one of the reasons why when I came back to podcasting to do On the Run I was like, it's not going to be a libertarian show. It's going to be a libertarian about me trying to find happiness and freedom in my own life. Because at the end of the day, you know, and I'm, I'm a big fan of Ryan Holiday and the Stoic teachings and everything else. It was like, at the end of the day, we're all going to die. And I know that. And I kept thinking, well, none of this matters. I'm just going to die one day. But there's a certain liberation in that because it's like, yeah, that will happen one day. And that's outside of my control. But I get all this room to live an amazing life if I choose it. And that phone call you you did with me for about half an hour before you had to run off and and, and go do a meeting with your staff, um, you know it it really did impact my life and I don't think I ever said
1: thank you enough for that. I appreciate, it, brother. I, I I do remember that call. Of course I do. I remember I, me- I remember those calls, but I didn't want to bring it up because I didn't know if you wanted to share it, so I kept my mouth shut. But of <laughs> course, I'm um, I'm 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 glad that that it was it was good. I'm glad that it worked for you. I think you're totally right. I mean, the idea of there is a glory to being human that too many humans don't understand. And the glory is we are the only creatures that get to decide what our life will mean. No other creature gets to decide that but us, right? Every, if you're a dog or a cat or an eagle or a fish or whatever you are, octopus, whatever you are, you don't get to decide. We do. So our life has the value that we decide it will have. Our mission is whatever we decide. We are so lucky; it is so glorious to be human. But something else: my my daughter one day was upset because my mother had passed, and it was her grandma, and she was sad, and she was sad about death. And I said something that sounds kind of morbid, but if you get it, you'll understand. And you basically touched it, Remzo. So I said, "Death is a gift. We should be lucky that we're going to die." And she's like, "What?" I said, "Yeah." I said. The fact that I know I'm going to die makes me want to do things. If I was going to live for 4,000, 10,000 years, I would just, I don't know, play video games all day. What would I care? Right? I'm just going to, I got 4,000 years. I'll, I'll go to college in 4,000 years. It'll be fine. Don't worry about it. Right? Yeah. I'll go do that thing in 10,000 years from now. Look, I'm, I'm only 4,000 years old. When I'm 50,000, then I'll start talking about doing things. Right? That's what I would do. I'd be procrastinating forever. But the fact that I do get older, that I do see things decay. That I do watch people around me get hurt and, and get ill and even die is the thing that makes me go, I better get off my ass and do something. It's the reason why I want to achieve things. And the second piece, in the stoic piece you talked about, one of my favorite books is the book, The Book of Five Rings by Miyamoto Musashi. It is um, a book by the greatest swordsman uh, of Japan ever. It's a real book. And it's actually mistranslated. Not the book of five rings, the book of five scrolls. It was mistranslated. They use rings to keep the scrolls. So they screwed up in translation. Uh. But it's actually a book. It's actually a book about sword fighting. And you would say, well, why does that matter? Because it's really the, in my view, the best book of Bushido, which is the way of the warrior. And the concepts brought up in there are things like when you fight, you fight with the big sword in your right hand and the small sword in your left hand. Why? Offense is better than defense. You've got to make sure that you are fighting. You've got to be on the offense. If you can't win a war on defensive. you've got to be on offense, but still defend yourself, but you've got to be fighting the, the big sword and the powerful arm is the offense. You've got to be on offense. You can't be on defense. Number one. Second, you don't have to kill all the people around you. Kill one or two. The rest will run. So it isn't as bad as you think, right? You've just got to focus on that. Kill a couple of them. The rest will run. So it isn't as bad as you think. You aren't up against the world. Drop a couple people. The rest will flee. It's fine. The next thing he talks about is when you're in a sword fight, let your enemy do whatever they want to do, whatever they want. Your goal is to kill. Let them jump around do what they want. Great. Kill. That's your goal. So don't let people bother you. Don't let people get in your head. Instead, focus on what you got to do. And in this case is to kill your guy or to kill enough people so the rest of them run, whatever the case may be. That's the goal. One of the biggest things he says is understand that you're already dead. Understand that all that matters is your legacy. That's all that matters, because you're already dead. Just accept you will be dead, and your legacy is what matters. I've taken that one step forward, which is, if I understand that I'm already dead, and I want my legacy, then I should realize, from my other piece, everything's ephemeral and goes away. Everything is fleeting. All that matters is two things. My legacy, and right now. This second that we have, right now, which is why people often tease me. They go, whenever I'm with you, Larry, like... You're like with me, like it's intense. You're like with me. Yes, because I know that right now matters. And if I focus on the right now and put everything into it, I will by default have a better legacy. That's how it works. I don't have to focus on my legacy. I focus on the right now, interacting with the people that I'm with. And by default, I will hopefully, I hope have hundreds of stories like you just said, Remzo. I hope I have hundreds of them. I hope thousands of them. I hope I have so many of those stories of people that have been affected by something I've done, that my legacy is amazing. That's what I hope. And if I focus, you know, when I saw you and I called you, I focused on you. When I'm in front of people that I'm talking to, I focus on them. If you focus on the here and now, you'll have a better legacy.
0: So I want uh, before we move on to family stuff. I, I want to bring up something because Rimzo kind of touched on. I'm gonna I'm gonna flee my problems and move to Michigan and work for this political thing. And I view Spoiler
2: alert, Kid Rock was lying.
0: <laughs> no. Oh, no, you mean you oh, mean no. the guy that grew up in a mansion pretending to be poor for a living. Yeah, um, you know I, the 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 folks. <laughs> I I was at Pork Fest. When I had this realization, I was talking to a guy who said, if I hadn't found the libertarian movement and the Free State Project, I would be dead. I've found meaning through this project, through libertarianism. I view politics as a a means to protect my happiness. We need this political system to protect the individual's ability to achieve their own self-actualization. Other people I think sometimes get into it because they're looking for meaning and we often find too much meaning in the philosophy. We deify writers and we deify you know, and I'm sure you've run into a lot of these folks who kind of have I have nothing else going on in my life, so I've gotta protect this. So if I criti- if you criticize libertarians, I'm going to attack you. Um you know, what would you say to a young person getting into politics who's kind of becoming obsessed with this stuff? Like, how do you how do you keep a healthy balance between focusing on what you need to focus on and getting involved in politics? Was that to me? Yes, please.
1: Ah, OK. Um, I don't, don't do it. I'm kidding. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's
0: a fair answer, to be honest. Good answer. Good answer. <laughs> what,
1: I, what I what I tell a lot of youngsters come to me. Right. And. My, my youngster level changes, right? Because as I get older, my level of youngster and old per person get, goes either way, right? I'm 53, so I go 20 years either way. If you're 74 years or older, you're old. If you're 32 years or younger, you're young. That's it. That's how I do it. And as I move, it moves. <laughs> That's how it works, right? I go, I go 20 years either way. But when a lot of the youngsters come to me and say, hey, Larry, I want to do more. How do I get involved? I want to do so-and-so. I go, how you doing financially right now? What do you mean? Well, I'm in between jobs. No, 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 no. You want to help the movement? Get your money right. You want to help the movement? Move yourself forward. Be happier. The movement should not be the thing for you. You should be able to support the movement. Otherwise, you're going to wind up having the movement support you. That's not the answer, right? You, you never want to be running away from something. You want to be running towards something right? That's always the best way. There's a difference between being routed and withdrawing. If you're in the field and get routed, you're just running away from the enemy. If you're in the field and you're withdrawing, you're pulling back to a new position. And that's fine. There's a big difference. So I don't want them rushing to our movement to be fault with you. I want them getting themselves better. If they're going to spend 40 hours a week or 20 hours a week volunteering on a campaign, why do that unless that's going to be a career of yours, right? If you're saying that's going to be my career, well done. Please do that if that's your career. If that's a hobby, you're just making sure you're going to be struggling to pay your rent. Why would you do that? I don't want you struggling to pay your rent. I want you becoming more powerful. So you can make real impact, right? I'm 18 years old and I don't have a job. So let me volunteer in a campaign for 40 hours. Don't get me wrong. I want your help. I do when I run. I want your help. Of course I do. But if I have a choice between that or you you know, squaring yourself away with your own life, I'll find somebody else. Go square yourself away. Because you'll be far more valuable to the movement five years later, when mm-hmm. you are stable. So I want youngsters to grow themselves, unless they think politics is their career. That's a different issue. If you think politics is your career, please stay in politics, do the thing. That's your life. Go ahead. But to try to find meaning someplace, find meaning in some other area of your life, become stronger. So what am I saying? You should have boundaries on what you're going to do. For politics, And the problem is, in our party particularly, but many of them, but ours in particular, we have a lot of people who are fanatical. Why? Because the zealous, the most zealous are the converted. And most of the people who are libertarians are converted. So when they convert and come to us, they are zealots. And they are all about it. And come on, Chris, you're not a real libertarian. Why won't you do this or do that or do this? Right? That's what we get all the time. Well, Preach. I would like Chris <laughs> to instead make a, make his own boundaries and decide how much he's willing to deal and give and do. And that's fine. And what I would ask you, if someone's listening and you're helping on a candidate, please be clear with your candidate or with your movement, if you're with the movement at the party, be clear about what you're prepared to give. Larry, I'm going to give you two hours a week. So you get. Okay. And if you're a candidate, be clear in what you're asking for. Remzo, I need two hours a week, man. Can you give me two hours a week? And Remza goes, yes or no. If he says yes, stand by two hours a week. The rest of your life, do your life. But give me the two hours, right? Or whatever that thing is. Mm-hmm. So candidates should be clearer. People who are on a movement should be clearer. And the, and the youngster should also be clearer. What are you going to give me? I'll give you two hours a week. Okay, or whatever the time is. So I think you want to spend your time being better and just dipping your foot into this. It'd be same thing. <clears throat> if I liked video games, right? Should I play video games 16 hours a day? <laughs> if I'm going to be a professional video gamer, yeah, that's my career. I'm going to make money winning tournaments. Okay, yes, do that. But if I'm not a professional video gamer or if I'm not a, a, a streamer where I'm making money, where I'm doing video games online and making money, if that's not my job, then I should limit myself in some way, right? Mm-hmm. I'm going to play only on Saturdays or three hours a day or whatever is the thing that you're going to do. Although the same thing, it doesn't matter what it is, whether it's video games or politics or Whatever it is, if it's your career, awesome. If you're making money, you're paying your bills on it. Sixteen hours a day is fine. You're not paying your bills on it, you got to limit it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I, I, uh, anybody who hosts a podcast, Larry is the exception, has an ego, and you see people speaking at Freedom Fest, or you see...
1: I have my, my name. Is on, <laughs> I have an ego. My name is on my podcast.
0: Right. You know what, what What? Larry has done is he goes and speaks, and he writes books, and he has his own s- staff, and d- does a lot of stuff, and I sit here and I go, man, I could totally do that. I'd love to do that. Why isn't everybody talking about how great my show is? Why are they always mentioning that guy? And then I sit there and I go... Okay, I could do that, but it requires me spending money here, spending money hiring these people. It means traveling for my family. It means taking away every every time I say yes to something, it's a no to my fiance and, and future stepdaughter. And do how how much do I want to do? Do I want to be on the road speaking at college groups every week? Do I want to be, you know, and I've just decided that my five to ten hours a week of running this network and doing these shows that's my thing and i focus on my job and you have to you have to have boundaries and i think sometimes people are attracted to libertarianism because it is it's an it's an excuse it's a license forever. excuse me associate producer i'm on a meeting i will put this in the bag thank you um, but you have, you have to, it's, it's not a license to do whatever you want. It, 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 it demands self-discipline. And Harry, you, you were shaking your head. What do you want to say?
3: I was going to say like, uh, yeah, cause that's a lot of the, uh, the converted thing. That's what you see when you see a lot of people who the first time they get the first taste of libertarianism, they're in it they're in it to win it they want to know what they can do uh, or like they just jumped from the other party and they they want to do this they want to volunteer and they're there all the time they're doing it all the time they're and it's yeah, it's great. The energy is great. But I, I think Chris has also said it on several different episodes, like you'll do this and you'll burn yourself out. You have to go yes. do something else. You will burn yourself out and you'll be, you know, not useless to the liberty movement, but you'll burn yourself out and you'll be gone for like six years. We you
0: say it all the time. Ready. You, The best thing you can do for the liberty liberty movement is not liberty movement stuff. It's start a business or work for a nonprofit or start a nonprofit.
3: Yep. Even in the Free State Project, you watch people who moved there instantly, got there, burnt themselves out. Right. And then it was just quiet. And only now if they're talking about, all right, I'm back now. I'm like, yeah, because you burnt yourself out, you know, and if you go off and you put your house in order, you're more, Able to help out, you're more able to do campaigns, and then you're also you find yourself in different uh, positions to be able to speak to different people, and they can understand that you know libertarians are certain sort of some creepy person in the basement. This person is like uh, this uh, this guy is a mentor. He's teaching me all these things about how to interact with people in business and more like just in computer stuff. And it's like, but he's a libertarian, so I can talk about all these different things because I went and you know developed myself on life, and I didn't sit there and just play video games or sit in the liberty movement, been just reading liberty books for like sixteen hours a day. I read technical books, you know. Uh, let's see, like I think I've, I've got the, I think I have the book of the Five Scrolls on my belt. Uh, I can't see it right now, but I do have the Unfettered Mind, which I do recommend if you never read I the Unfettered right Mind. Here. Yep, it's a great, great book. It's a great book, um, <laughs> and it's those books like that that help yourself out that you could read. It's you know, it's I don't under it's I don't get why other people like they say they can't get ahead, I can't do anything, but they they end up, they scramble all the time of rushing up the ladder of success, but it's leaning against the wrong building. Okay. Like they scramble up and like, I'm doing all the work, but that's the wrong building. You're on the wrong building. You're not going to get anywhere with that building.
1: Yeah. It's, it's, I love what you you said. It's, it's right on the money. We, you, you don't want to burn yourself out to the point where you're not valuable enough. Right. And Chris, to your point, I agree. I mean, when, if you, if you're trying to get your money, right. And, Remzo, you know this, you've seen this happen. I know you have. Some of you guys may have also. But the issue is you don't want to think of yourself as a per hour person. You want to start thinking about how can you build value for the people around you. People don't want to pay for your time. People want to pay for a result, a perceived value or results they want to pay for. And if I were to decide, well, I just going to charge, you know, X dollars per hour for my coaching or my training or my teaching. Nobody would pay it because the, it, the fees is way too high. But if I instead said, you want this thing? It's this amount of money. And they go, oh, oh, okay. There's no way I could charge the fees that I charge. To be forward, I mean, realize I produce somewhere around 10 to 12 hours of live content every week personally. There's no way I could produce 10 to 12 hours of live content. To your point, prepare for these things. Do And do these types of, of that I'm doing now. Handle my wife who doesn't work and two kids and live in New York City if I couldn't charge very high fees. right? Right. So you have to be able to charge high fees to do that kind of thing. And that's not a per hour piece, it's building value. Why do people sponsor my show? Because I build value. Building value is the key, right? That's the key is building value. And whatever you do, do people find value in it? If you think I'm good at what I do, nobody cares. I'm smart, nobody cares. I'm great, nobody cares. I bring value to people. Now I care. That's the most important piece. Do you bring value? Does not mean you shouldn't be smart? You should be. You shouldn't be good. You should be. But if you can't put that into something that somebody values, it is irrelevant. That's my point. You've got to put whoever you are, what you do, how powerful you are into some way that shows that you are valuable. If you can do that, you'll be fine. One
2: of the biggest things that I think has benefited me both emotionally and financially is that I, I have to remind myself this basically every day. I have to safeguard my time. Like it's the only commodity that matters ultimately. And I mean, I had this happen. Um, I, I, I spoke about this recently. It was this funny situation after I had left parlor in December of 2020, I had this, um, you know, this, I, I call it like the LinkedIn mafia this person who's always a CEO and an advisor. And it's like, what do you actually do for a job? And this person reached out to me and he was like, Hey, you know, I saw you left and obviously you need work. How about you come and you uh, be an advisor and help me make my own social media company? I said, well, okay, I can only do so much because of legal stuff, but here's what, uh, here's what I'm willing to charge in order to get you the results you wanted. And he literally sent me the Dr. evil meme, Where it's like, how about no? And I'm like, what? This guy just sent me a meme as a response? (laughs) What the hell? And he said, well, how about this? How about uh, we get on a phone call and we kind of go over your skill set and credentials and then we negotiate a price? Fair? Now, at the time, could I have probably used the money? Yeah. But I also didn't necessarily need it. And it was one of those situations where it's like, if this person who came to me and sung my praises and knew what I could give him is now treating me like this, and this is a grown-ass man, is this the type of person I want to give 15 minutes of my time to? Because for people like that, it's never 15 minutes. It's always 30 minutes or an hour. And then you've gotten to like 10 billable hours and you still haven't seen a dime. I have said, no, thank you. Have a good day. Yes,
1: which is why very often you'll see me say things like, you should either do something for free or at a great price. That's it. Don't do it for a bad price. A bad price makes you unhappy, them unhappy. So just give it away, in which case, hey, I'm giving it away. Whatever happens, happens. Or here's my price. And it's a good price. You don't like it. I understand. Have a nice day. Those are your two ways. And I'll, I'll, I'll touch two pieces if I could on this. The first one is how I became a coach. I didn't want to be a coach. I was going to be a trainer, a consultant, a teacher, not a coach. But I, I started my, my business in 2004. And within two years, I was exploding, doing very well. And I was actually in investment banking world. But when I first began, I was a nobody. So the people who were picking me up weren't big banks. They were individual, small, you know, uh, entrepreneurs, two-person shops, one-person shops, those types of things. So I never tell people no. I just price them out. Right? So you want me to come wash your car, Remzo? Absolutely. I'll do it every week. 5000 bucks a week. Now, why do I say that price? Because if you actually paid me five grand, I would actually wash your car. Like I would do it. So I pick a number that I would actually do. I also know you would never pay me five grand to wash your car. So we're both happy, right? No matter what, we're both happy. You go, no, thanks, Larry way too expensive. Okay, great. But if you happen to go, no, I really want pictures of Larry Shop washing my car and I'm prepared to pay $5,000 for it, I'll wash your car. Not a problem, we're good. So you find a price that you actually want. So I did that. So a guy asked me, the investment banker, my first time in investment banking. So I didn't understand the world at all. So the guy says, Larry, I think you're much more of a, an influence guy. You can help me personally. Can you coach me? I said, sure, absolutely. I want 5000 bucks. I want it upfront. No guarantees. We'll see when we can meet. We'll see what happens. No entrepreneur accepts that deal. No entrepreneur accepts that deal. He was like, okay, wrote a check right there. And I was like, I guess I'm a coach. Holy crap. Okay. (laughs) And the reason why he said yes is that guy makes $3 million a year. I didn't know that. I was ignorant. I didn't know the field. If I help him close one deal, he puts a quarter million dollars in his pocket. He doesn't care about my five grand. He doesn't care. It's not Whatever. Okay. He wrote me the check there. Like he pulled his checkbook out of his desk. And I was like, okay, I'm a coach now. And that's how I became a coach. So th- my point being is, you've got to know what your value is. Well, and I, I, I only talked to him a couple of times a month. I mean, my per hour rate was insane, but he felt value and he stayed with me for a year. So it was crazy, right? I was making tons of money because he thought I was giving him value. And, that's, and I was, he was closing deals because of me. So it was great. So that, that's that's piece. But it's the second piece I want to bring up too. Your individual skill set is valuable. Of course it is. But if you can't delegate, you're in trouble. Number one thing is to find what you're not good at and get people to do it. Chris, you brought up, I've had a team forever. You you I, I to be forward, at least two-thirds of the stuff, if not three quarters that you see online, is not done by me. My team responds to people, my team does stuff, my team posts things, my team acts as me. They all have access to my calendar. I didn't know I had this podcast until yesterday. I looked at my <laughs> calendar. Oh, okay. I'm on this podcast. That's how things work in my world. I outsource everything. I didn't know I was on this podcast. I'm like, oh, I better get up in the morning because I can't sleep in. I got Chris in the morning.
0: That's if I'm if happened. I'm being honest, I do everything myself. So I didn't know yesterday until I looked at my calendar
1: either. So I'm, <laughs> I'm, so I'm, mean, I'm a mess, you. and you're on the on the ball. Yes, <laughs> I I don't I don't. People often tease me like I'll be in the business and they'll say, Larry, have we paid you yet? Did you get billing? And I go, I, I don't know. I don't do my own billing, so I I don't I don't know. So I have no idea if I get paid. I don't know how much money I have. Please don't go this far. Uh, I'm a fanatic when it comes to this and you shouldn't be this, go this far. But I couldn't tell you how much money I have in a bank. I, I don't know. I just show up, right? I just go, okay, show up. I'm Okay, where do I go? I go there. So I spend a lot of time outsourcing a lot of my world. Um, but that can be a problem too. I probably go too far sometimes um, and I'm trusting. So it's one reason why people like working for me is I, I am very trusting. I give people a lot of leeway. I'm also very forgiving. People have screwed me over many times. And, and I do this because I'm a consultant, the business consultant. And I tell people all the time, one of my favorite stories, um, a guy's going to fire a guy. He made a, a, a big mistake. I forgot what it was. I make the number up because I've forgotten the number. Um, I'm going to say the number is $30,000 because just so we have a number. Guy makes a mistake for $30,000. The boss is like, I got to fire this guy. I'm like, why? He made a $30,000 mistake. I said, so you just paid $30,000 to train him and you're going to give him to somebody else? I don't get that. Is he sorry? Did he make a mistake? Can he, is it repairable? Well, yeah, he can fix it. I said, well, you, you just spent $30,000 on him. Give him, some, give, give him a, a, a chance to redeem himself and he'll be loyal and he'll be even better than he's ever been. Or you can fire him. He's learned his lesson with you. You got to find somebody else, train them, hope they don't make a $30,000 mistake and you've given somebody else a better employee. Why would you do that? does make me sense. Yeah. yeah so I have, is good.
0: I have started a podcast consultancy business and I've hired a business coach and I've been struggling through the, the whole concept of charging and what to charge. And gosh, this is a lot of money. And I was telling her a story as we were walking out last time and she goes, yeah, my parents made me afraid of being rich too. Or no, it was uh, my parents made me afraid of wealthy people too. And a, a lightning bolt hit me and I was like, Am I afraid of rich people? Am I af- because I consider myself my my business partner Robert over at the Leaders and Legends podcast goes. You grew up uh, a lower a lower middle class kid on the west side. I grew up a poor kid on the east side. People's concepts of money that you're going to be pitching are much different than yours. Your concept of what you're worth and what is a lot to you means nothing to them, and so. If, do you want to do this thing for this price and be unhappy? No. Well, but what if we don't get the business? You'll find somebody else. And and it's very much an abundance mindset of their, their, yes. their like, yes. th- like, stop thinking in these little boxes and the the small ways. And that's so much of what what turns me off about. Our, our party, about our movement, is that small thinking and accepting That's less, qu- poorer quality because we're just actually kind of afraid of being successful. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, what I love about what you're doing, TK Coleman and some others, what we try to do here is take that that perception of Ayn Rand selfishness and we're all just out to get rich and turn it on its head because I want to be successful in every area of my life, including financially, because I want to give back to my community. I want to help build a better world. And I think that uh, it's it's a different type of... Uh, hold on just a second, honey. I'm so sorry, everybody. We have, to, uh, we have a, a toddler. Like I said before, libertarians don't want a tyrant, but then they have toddlers, and they walk around and yell at everybody. But, you know, Larry, like... A key part of that is family, and I wanted to end on this. You've talked about some struggles with your wife. We talked about Dennis and what he's gone through. Friends and family are a key part of that support system. Um, yes. Talk about the importance of family when it comes to success.
1: Well, the reality of it is family doesn't have to be what people would think families. It doesn't have to be you have your mom and dad supporting you. That can work, Absolutely. Um, does it be a wife or a husband or a spouse? Does not that can work. Doesn't have to be that. Family has to be people who you can feel like and hope that and believe that they're not going to abandon you because things aren't good or bad. That's how I define family. Some people have family that will abandon them, in which case that's crappy family. Or some people have step step um families or blended families, but people who will stay by you because they see you as that person that is important. The concept of family is somebody who will stand by you until they put you in a box or put them in a box. That's how I define someone's family. Will they stay with you until one of you goes in the box? If that's true, that's family. Sometimes people who are blood-related, they won't do that. So that's what I mean by family. Often, the tightest bonds that we have are not blood. And it's it's shocking. It's often true. Often, our tightest bond is, is someone who is... You know, um, someone who's gone through something with us—a tragedy with us—or it could be someone who we're married to, or been with since we were kids. It could be someone who is a a step or half um, sibling, or brother, or cousin, or something. So that's how I define family. And why is family important? Because family, for most of us—and not everybody, but for most of us—that's like our home base. That's our place where we can come in and say what we feel and be ourselves, no matter what. It's where we can be vulnerable. So we can collapse. The biggest and most important part of any team is not necessarily how well you work together. That's important, but not the most important. The most important is, can you fail together? Can you be vulnerable among each other? If you can do that, you can build the best team and you can survive tragedy. The same thing works with family. Can you be vulnerable? Can you go to your family, whoever that person is or people are and go, my God, I know what I'm doing now. I've collapsed. What do I do? How do I get around this? Will you still be there when you can see how much I've fallen down? So family becomes our home base. If we have that, we feel safe. We feel safe going out and doing things because we know in our hearts that if we fall, there's a place for us to go. We can go on and try, try something new because if we fail, there's someone to go, I got you. The thing that I miss most about my mother is not her advice. That isn't the number one thing I, I miss from her. What I miss her is, is no matter what happened in my life, my mom always told me, don't worry, you'll get through this. You're good. You're smart. You'll get through this. You, you, you can do this. She always said that. And did, was she saying it because she believed it? I don't know. I hope she believed it. Um, but it felt good either way. So that's what I mean by family. If you don't have that in your life, how can you be resilient, right? Family pres- uh, will help you be more and more resilient. And resilience is the key to success. We're all going to fall down. The question is, can we get back up? We all want to have a pity party. That's just human nature. But is our pity party five minutes or is our pity party five years? And our support structure, usually family, is going to heavily decide whether it's five minutes or whether it's five years.
0: Yeah, I think people are worried that they won't succeed. But the reality is, if you're smart and hardworking, you're going to be fine. Like, it's, you know, you you just have to, you know, one final question. Like, how do you... how do you find that stick that willpower to get through that moment? Like when you have those challenges, what is a source for inspiration for you?
1: Well, it's, it's interesting. Um, I think probably um, there's a personality piece, right? Which m- many of us, we build this out. The idea of, I don't want to be helpless. So I'm going to be doing something. One of the reasons why the Marine Corps was so good for me is it reinforced things that I already thought, which is you want to be on the offensive. You want to be doing stuff. You want to have control of your life. You want to be doing things. And the fact that you're doing something gives you power in itself. So being on the offensive is important. Going off and doing things, right? I, I remember I was talking to one of my friends and I said, every day I wake up and I'm at war. And she said, oh my God, that's so horrible. I said, no, it's glorious. I have a reason to get up in the morning. I said, when the war is over, put me in the box. Right? What, what, I, I, why am I getting up then? Right? I, I want to be at war. I want to be doing things. I want to feel like I'm, I'm taking care of stuff. So the key aspect is where are you going? If that makes any sense. You're asking, how do I know? Do I have a shining star? Do I have a place where I'm going that I can see where I'm moving towards? Do I know where I'm marching? If I don't know where I'm going, then I just spin in circles and fall down. So the number one thing is to know, where are you going? That's number one. But it's the second piece, which is going to seem kind of odd. You want people around you who rely on you. And you might go, wait a minute, that's a burden. It is a burden. It's true. But you want people to expect something from you, whatever that is, whether that's family, friends, business associates, you want people to expect something of you. Very often in our own world, when we're trying to achieve something, we will easily disappoint ourselves make an excuse, disappoint ourselves. But we don't often disappoint others. It's a tactic you can use if you want to achieve any goal. This will help you achieve any goal. Whatever the goal is. I want to quit smoking. I want to start a business. I want to get a girlfriend. Insert thing here, whatever it is. Tell two people. Tell one person who you love. And that love can be romantic love, but it can also be familiar love, platonic love, but someone who you have an emotional connection to that you love. Tell that person. Say, hey, Ramzo, I love you. Let Let me tell you something. I want to, whatever, uh, quit drinking. I don't drink, but whatever. I want to quit drinking. So um, so do me a favor. I really want to do this. And my plan is, and tell them whatever your plan is, to not have a drink 30 days from now. That's my goal. Can you do me a favor, Ramzo? Can, can can you reach out to me in like 30 days and see how I'm doing? Then tell somebody I respect. Chris, I really respect you, man. You know, I respect you. And I want to tell you something. I'm going to quit. I'm gonna try to quit drinking. And thirty days from now, my goal is in thirty days from now to not have a drink in thirty days. That's my goal. Can you do me a favor? Can you check in on me in thirty in thirty days?
0: I'm gonna isolate now all I... that and put it. <laughs> 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 Larry Sharp respects Chris Spangler and trying to stop drinking. No, but you're exactly right. 100%. It's why I love coaching 100%. and it's why I love therapy. You can go to a therapist or a coach, but a therapist legally cannot tell anyone your worst secrets or your biggest dreams. And you can tell that person get through that mental bridge. And you feel free to do it because they can't or won't tell anybody they're not connected to your circles and you can check back in with them and they encourage you. And I just it's such a huge, huge piece of kind of evolving yourself from where you're at to where you want to be.
1: If you tell those two people 30 days from now, doesn't mean you'll do it, but you've just increased the odds because now I have to have an excuse for both Remzo and Chris to not do it. I'll excuse myself all day long. I'll make every excuse for myself. I'll punish myself. I'll say I'm not worthy. I'll find every reason to not do it for myself. But now I got to have an excuse, <laughs> excuse me, for Remzo to go, oh, yeah, remember that thing I said? Yeah, I'm full of crap. And then I got to go to Chris and I'm gonna say, oh, yeah, that, I'm full of crap. Now, if Chris actually respects me in return and Remzo actually loves me, if I do that, they're both going to hold me to account. Remzo's going to go, Larry, I love you, man. You can't do this. What are you talking about? You told me you were gonna. Now I'm like, oh my God, it's right. And now Chris gonna be, dude, you just told me you're gonna, you have to. So even if I failed this time, if I pick the right two people, they're gonna give me a nudge, right? And Remzo, if he loves me, is gonna give me a loving nudge. And Chris, if he respects me, is gonna give me more of a hardcore nudge. And I'm gonna get both of those nudges, which I probably need one or both of those to move forward anyway. So I'm gonna get what I need to hopefully in the next 30 days, make that thing happen that will increase the odds of success
0: larry sharp the website is sharpway.com, sharp with an e and you can get the book on happiness uh written by larry sharp and edward hofer illustrated by barbara sharp it's not
1: done yet okay
0: it's pre-order all right where should i pre-order the book at
1: larry sharp.com i'm sorry sharpway.com. i got too many dot coms
0: i'm sure (laughs) it'll all lead to the same place but i
1: got like nine nine dot coms if i
0: pre-order how much longer do i have to wait larry
1: I don't know just wait just I, I, just totally I, think it. I think that's it's I think it's very worth
0: it. uh, your people told me very soon so very very soon so make sure that you Is that
1: uh, what they said? That's very what soon.
0: They told <laughs> Need a date to be able know. to hold you accountable. Yeah, so, that's right. I, I Promise me a date, and then we will check back. We'll all zoom assuming
1: in. That I respect you, Chris. That's the <laughs> assumption you've just made.
0: You're a libertarian. You're a libertarian he's, podcast host, so you probably don't. He's got the, he's got the audio now that says you do. Yeah. So he's going to play that on the loop. All right, Larry. Thank it. you so much for joining us. This has been a great conversation.
1: Have a good
0: one, guys. Thank you for joining us here on the Chris Spangle Show. We appreciate it. And if you enjoyed this conversation, please please spread it around, share with your friends, and let's start uh, advancing liberty by making ourselves better. Stay tuned. Next week, this group will be back. I will be gone because I will be at Podcast Movement next week. And uh, Rimzo Reinhold and Harry will talk about China. So make sure you tune in next Saturday. It's going to be a great show. And make sure you go download On the Run with Rimzo Martinez here on the We Are Libertarians podcast network. Thank you so much for joining me. We will talk to you again next week.